Welcome to Behind the Sale. I'm your host, Princess B. On this show, we talk about sales and leadership in the high-ticket space. My goal is to help you level up your skills as a leader so you can close more deals and transform more lives. Today, we have Tom Shadrach on the show. He's going to share how to handle the magic that happens before and after the sales call. I'm talking good cop, bad cop between the setters and closers, refund requests, and turning one sale into two with referrals. If you want to learn the step-by-step processes to squeeze the most juice out of every deal you close, then stay tuned. Today, we have Tom Shadrach on the show. He's the sales director for one of my favorite accounts. He's essentially managing three teams within the company, and he makes it look so easy. He manages our front-end setters, our closers, and our clients' setters. Thank you so much, Tom, for being on the show. Hey, absolute pleasure. Thank you for the kind words. What I admire so much about our company is that um, we're not afraid of change. Uh, we just embrace it and we do what we need to do in order to serve our prospects and our clients at the highest level. And um, something that I think really separates you from a lot of other sales directors out there is that your enthusiasm and your optimism during periods of massive change, whether that's marketing or sales scripts or whatever it is, it plays a role. Like, I think your enthusiasm plays an integral role in why as a team we've been able to navigate change so smoothly so um my my first question for you is how are you able to keep the team motivated and positive even when there is uncertainty yeah that's a cool question um and it it wasn't something that i was i'd say like naturally naturally good at it is being around good people uh and dave at the you know, at the the leadership of the company. When I first jumped in, I came from a finance background, which was very rigid. It was very the same process over and over and over. And so when I when I, when I jumped into this the sales coaching events space, it was a, just a hurricane. It was a, it was a whirlwind. I was very used to parameters and things being the same, and we were putting out reporting and analytics. And then I jumped into a world where nothing was the same. Every day, every day was different. Um, and it's funny because I was just going over it with a couple of the new joiners on the team, this this same kind of principle. And it's it wasn't, I, in the beginning, I was looking at how can I become good at the tasks or the challenges that are ahead of me in that day or in that situation. But there was so many different scenarios that could come up, right? Just like on a sales call, right? Someone could handle with one objection, this objection, that objection, or, you know, I've got this thing that needs to be sorted. <clears throat> I, I gave up then trying to deal with those scenarios and just got more comfortable being uncomfortable. I was like, I can't foresee everything that could possibly come out when I've got a thousand people in the room. Right. And people are coming to me, you know, you've got 30 coaches, you've got a thousand people in, in the room. You're trying to run an event. There's so many different things cracking off in one moment that you can't be good at all of them. I can't 
know every single thing that's coming up. And so I was just getting, I got better at dealing with, I don't know what's going on, but it's going to be all right. We'll figure it out as we go, getting competent in being uncomfortable, right? Because I didn't have the answers, but, I, you know, I wanted to portray that I did. And I, just over time, I got really, really good at being uncomfortable. And I just remember those times, uh and and it's exciting right when when you you're a little flustered or your your heart rates up or you know you've got something that's challenging you that you know it makes you feel alive right and so i like to share that with the team because you know they're going through it for the first time or they're, they're feeling that in the moment and I, I think just you you can go into a place of oh i don't know i want to try and you know i want to tr provide a good service or i want to provide a good answer to that question or i want to <clears throat> we we I think as humans, we always want to come across as we know what we want to know. We want to come across as we like are competent, right? We want to come across mm -hmm. as we know what we're doing. And sometimes you don't have to, you just have to be able to deal with not knowing. And you can put your hands up and say, look, honestly, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got an answer to your question, but I'll be able to go and get it. And you can say that confidently and come across to your prospect or to your client or whoever that is as, oh, this is a competent person that I'm able to invest in or get behind or be led by, and they'll find the answer. So I think it's the key, not you don't need the answer all the time, but just been able to deal with it um, nonetheless. That's a really good point. Um, and that's something that actually served me having that mindset in the beginning when I started on the team because I didn't go through the whole program and I didn't know the nitty gritty answers. And that served me because I can confidently say like, we got you. Don't worry. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm like, shit, I don't know. Um, but I still, we got you. I trust that we got you. And as long as you trust that we can get you, you know, where you want to go, then that's all that matters. And I guess it's the same thing with managing the team, right? Even 100%. if there are changes and you don't really know the answers to all of our burning questions, it's like, it's all right. Like you, your confidence makes us feel so confident. Like I, a lot of times, I don't even know that you don't know. And I'm like, he makes it look so easy, you know? Sure. And I think that's part that's part of it, right? In in growing a business or or whatever, I think the only reason we are here, like as a team, as a company, is because you just gotta keep going. It's just like the commitment towards it. We don't know exactly what the shape or the you know, the, the kind of how it's gonna exactly look, but as long as we're always taking that step forward, we'll always just keep going and, and we will, we know that. And so we, we you don't have to know the nitty-gritty details and you know, I have this with most of the closers and the setters that, you know, when they join a team, I remember having a conversation with you, right? And it having, not knowing all of the nitty gritty stops you jumping in with the details on the calls, right? Then when you're trying to answer specific low level details, when you're in the weeds, keep it higher chunk and you'll have a much better time. And so when you join a new offer or when you're, you know, you're doing something new, you've got this like bliss period because you don't have all the details. So you can't answer the prospects questions on that detailed level you have to gloss over it because you don't know and you actually you know you start making some nice early sales so you kind of alluded a little bit to your uh your experience doing live events so do you mind sharing a little bit about like how i guess the the beginning parts of your sales career because you were doing a lot of live selling before uh remote mm -hmm. closing right yes yeah that's really where it, it, it all started a lot of it was on the phone so we would run live events We'd run a two-day seminar, right? Thousand people, and then uh, Ed would pitch from stage, and we'd have we'd have a sales room. It was amazing. We'd get everyone to anyone that 
it was like on the first day, about halfway through the day, we'd start to warm up the pitch and by lunchtime we'd be pitching. We'd, we'd get everyone to get up onto the stage. Oh, I want the offer, I want the offer. And then Ed would direct them to the sales room. And we'd literally we'd have about 150 people in that room out of the 1,000, right? We'd close the door and then no one leaves until they've signed up on the form or they've, you know, they've made some level of commitment. And that's what we were trying to, uh, that, that was the environment that I kind of got, got started in. It was setting, it was closing, it was coaching, it was leadership. It was, it wasn't, I didn't have a defined exact, okay, this is the one thing I'm doing. It was, it was more of a broader building the business, growing. What, what needs to get done at this moment in time? Is it, are we driving people to the event? Are we closing people after the event? Are we delivering coaching to the people that came to that event and then, and then uh, kind of, uh, purchase the support and so I, I got well-rounded in that skill set of being able to just change from one phone call to another um, but really it's just hitting the phones uh, picking up the phone mm -hmm. uh, dialing the people that came driving people to the event uh, and then coaching the people that were coming as well face to face uh, which was cool uh, mm -hmm. it was really cool to see the people that you'd uh, work with on the phones and closed in the actual live flesh when they came to receive the service whatever it was they signed up for yeah, I can tell that that experience has made you very dynamic um, and maybe it has played a role in why you're so good at just dealing with people. Uh, so like something that I've learned a lot from you is frameworks on how to deal with people outside of the sale, like outside, like before the sale, after the sale. So yeah. like, yes, there is the, the actual sales call, but the things like conflict resolution, refund requests, asking for referrals, you know, dealing with clients who are very needy and aren't doing what they need to do and aren't asking the right people the questions they need to ask, you know, kind yeah. of coming to me uh, for fulfillment, all of that stuff. So yeah, there's a lot to get into here. I really want to share some of these frameworks with people because um, a lot of people are lost in the sauce with this. So it helps to really have like a path, like, okay, here's how we deal with refunds, et cetera. So uh, let's start with your framework for handling refund requests. Let me give you a, just a background on I think where it came from and what helped me a lot in maybe understanding or, or writing a, a message or, or getting on the phone in those situations. Uh, and, and they were also the ones I wanted to avoid the most in, in the early days too, because it was the most uncomfortable in that moment, right? No one likes it when you've got the, the refund request or, or maybe a complaint or you got to ask for the referral and you're not sure if they're going to give it or not. But um, I think it, it came from coaching, right? Like, this is kind of how I got started in this game was it was NLP. I got a buzz of learning. How does, you know, why do we do, what are the patterns that we have? Why, why do we think like that? Why do some people process information this way and that way? And how do they react? You know, you could give 10 people the same bit of information and they, they react 10 different ways. And it's, it's cool to see patterns and how people behave. And so I really like nerded out and just would love learning around mindset or like psychology and how that works and how the human mind works especially conversation uh, and in influence and persuasion you know some great books out there and so it really just set my mind off on okay I'm having a conversation I want to influence it in a certain way to help someone the most and so what is the best way that I can do that and so um, I think in in uh, the framework that I'd use for a refund would always be it usually comes in on an email or a text message right it's usually some written cons and so my in the beginning it would always i'd always make them feel i'd always put them at ease 
straight away. So I'd be like, yeah, no worries. Whatever we will do, um, we'll make sure that's taken care of for you, right? So I want to, I, I really want to just like de-escalate the situation. If you can leave it a little bit of time as well, before when you say if you receive the text message, you don't necessarily want to jump on it straight away because they're going to be a little bit worked up in that moment when they're like, oh, I want the refund. They've got in them, you know, they're in that state. They're in that state of maybe overwhelm, fear. you know they're feeling it because that's at the moment that's triggered them enough to go oh i want out they've got cold feet that their, their feet are at the coldest in that moment so i don't really want to jump in straight away whilst they're still at that height state that that peak state will come down you know you leave it an hour or so you don't have to drag it out too far but anywhere up to 12 hours is probably good i don't have any study on that but i've just okay <laughs> off of Okay. kind of you know feel really um So the first thing I'll do is put them at ease. Hundred percent, got your message. We'll do anything that you know, anything that you need. We'll we'll make sure it's taken care of, right? And that just allows them to de-escalate further from that fear or overwhelm or, oh, I'm not going to get my money back or I'm not going to be able to blah blah blah. They're going against their word, and it just then allows me to keep them in an open space, open mindset, like kind of give them that space to be able to. be open to what I'm about to say. And then I'll, I'll try to set up the conversations, get on the phone. It's like, cool, let's talk about it. Let's just make sure it goes to the right place and and let, let's just connect. So get them on the phone, reiterate it again. Cool, just so you know, we'll take at the end of this call, we'll do whatever you whatever you need. We'll just make sure that you're taken care of. And we'll, we'll make sure you're in a way, make sure they're super safe. And then I'll just get it out, you know, okay, cool. So what, where are you at right now? What's the, what's going through your mind? They'll go through, usually it's an objection of fear, doubt. You know, it's crept back in from, from the sales call, depending on how hard you had to push them. Most likely it's one of those one of those things. Um, I've always found that if you've got a little bit of negotiation room as well in either like the price or the, the terms of payment, if you can go into those conversations with some level, if you've got an ace up your sleeve, you present a solution and go, hey, here's a little sweet note to, to then like lessen the, maybe the financial the load on their mind uh if you split you know maybe, maybe you split the remainder payment over two and it, it it doesn't necessarily address the cause but it can it can lower the level of fear or emotion that they have and so it's just kind of gets them over it gets them into the training into the system into the program they feel a little bit better they get moving they see results and then they're good so as long as you're getting them into something that gets them results it's really that that's that's all you need So for the analytical people who need a step-by-step, -step, it would look like step one, put them at ease. Yeah. Step two, let them rant, right? Get it Yeah. off their chest. Yep. Step three, like acknowledge and address whatever it is their objection is. And then step four, bring out your ace, right? Yeah, present a solution, Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. I don't know if you've done the monkey brain, the chimps paradox. He talks about the monkey brain. That's just like your emotional brain, right? And you see it on the sales call, when, maybe when you drop the price, right? And then people will just waffle. They'll just, we, I think we did it on a call review with a team earlier this week, like some guy just really like, really just started nervous talking because he was trying to process that level of investment, right? And uh, it's the same on that kind of call when they're asking for a refund, they're gonna, they're gonna wanna get it out. They're gonna wanna vent. And so you let that energy go, you let that chimp be quiet and then you can, can take control and have an adult to adult conversation without the chimp going crazy and, You don't want to keep that stimulated. So let it, let them get it out. Let it chill. You can have a level to level conversation on the objection, present a solution, maybe sweeten it with a extended payment plan or an extra support or your one-to-one -one session or, you know, bring something to the table and, and then see how you go.
Awesome. Yeah. Very smooth. Before learning that framework, I was just winging it. And uh, yeah, having that framework has helped me go into those conversations a lot less stressed, um, a lot less anxious because I, I know where I'm going with it. And I know that no matter what, I'm going to help that person because I especially I frame the call that way. So they know as well that they don't have to worry. So that's really good. Yeah, amazing. Now we've we've talked them off the ledge. Now let's fast forward a couple weeks into the program. They're happy. They're crushing it. Now it's, it's, uh, I, I think this is going to be really valuable for the listeners. What is the framework that you have for asking for a referral? I love this one. Like turning one sale into two was like always a good game. I'd really used to look after, you know, you, you know, you make enough sales you'll have ones that click and you think you, you have a good feeling that they're going to, they're going to excel. They're going to move fast. They're going to complete the system or the training or whatever it is. They're going to get the result faster than others. And so I'd always position myself close to those people along their journey. So I could then get them working in on the referral game, right? Cause it, it is a win-win. They get to earn X yeah. amount. And also we get the, we get a new client in and they get to help their friend. And so really I guess that was really the golden nugget. It's just creating the frame as a win-win. Um, I track their journey, make sure I'm in their mind after the sale, right? Because a lot of the time you close a deal, you can potentially never speak to them again because the fulfillment team's got it. And um, and, and that's fine, but I think you can maximize, I, could, I think you can maximize the ones that you feel good at. Uh, stay connected with their wins when you see them wins in, in the group or throughout the journey. Just touch in, light little text message. Hey, how's it going? I saw that you win. I love that for you. Like you made my day seeing that. And you'll get people, you'll get people feeling good on that. And that's really what you want is just to get them feeling cool. That was more than just a sales call. That was more than just getting the money out of me and moving me on. They're going to feel uh, more connected to you after that. And that's that's going to allow this conversation coming up later. Um, and you can do it at any point, really. I think you can definitely leverage the win if you if you see the client winning or, or getting a transformation or the result that they're looking for, part of it. It doesn't have to be the full one, right? Because a lot of people want to wait for the full result before they then yeah. they bring a referral, and that's way too slow, right? Um, you know, definitely. arguably some of the best times is actually in the sale. When when you when you're taking the cash in that moment, it's like cool, hell do you know? You could go super savage and do that. I, I, I can't say that I did that much myself. Um, but if, if you've got someone in the buying decision, ask another step, who do you know, and make sure you're getting the number. I've only had the courage to ask for a referral on the sales call once. Yeah. And it's only because the guy, he mentioned that he had other coaches that he worked alongside with who could really use our help too. Um, but I think that's a good idea. If the person's really excited, they're really sure. pumped and you kind of, even if you have an inkling that they do have a network of other coaches, then yeah. Go for it. You 100%. miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I think people want to feel that their decision was the right decision. And there's nothing better than when someone else makes that that same decision. And so a referral kind of plays into that mindset of I've made a right decision. And if their referral or referee does it too, it's like okay, cool. I've made that right decision. This was the best thing for me. It's like. I don't know if I'm going to nail this, but it's like, why does anyone ever recommend a dentist, right? You go, yeah. you sit in a chair, it makes your teeth hurt. It's like, why, who recommends it? But 
it's because you want to you you chose that dentist and if you can get other people around you to go to that dentist you're going to feel good because you chose that but oh i'm making the right decision here it, and, it, and you can kind of play on that same pattern of thinking it changed the game for me when i started really uh keeping up with people a week after i closed yeah. them in you know two weeks after and that's how i'm able to start getting like I got, you know, I get screenshots from people like thanking me, you know, and those people are hot for referrals because they're so happy. And, you know, along the way, just, you know, giving them a pat on the back, like really actually cheering them on instead mm -hmm. of just like, okay, see you, bye. <laughs> you know, 100%. it keeps them motivated too to keep winning so that they could keep getting cheered on. It, it really, it's like this cycle. It's only a positive ripple effect. Yeah, you're compound on the results of the clients as well. If, if they feel you're in their corner, I believe. When you get them on the phone, make sure you're, who is it? What's the name? Don't, don't get, don't get put off by, oh yeah, I'll send you the, you know, because the second they hang up that phone, they're not giving, you know, the referral has gone out of their mind. Maybe they'll, they'll think about it for a week, a day or whatever, then they'll, they'll forget about it. And so just think of it as closing the deal. You know, you've got to take the cash deposit as a minimum, or you never hear from them again. Same kind of vibe. Cool. Who is it? Who do you know? Make sure you're reaching out ahead and let them know I'm calling. Get them involved yeah. in that process. So, you know, you're kind of like getting the return on your investment of time. So let's talk about before the sale. Um, let's say the closer didn't get the person over the line on the first call. Um, an incredible process that I learned from you is the setter closer tag team process. And uh, this is something that I, I've never seen anyone do it so well, um, the way that you have on this account. And so can you share with the audience what that beautiful symphony of a process looks like so that way they can implement this too? I believe you kind of call it a good cop, bad cop. Yeah. I, I love it. Can you share it? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, for sure. It comes with both parties being like taking full responsibility for, for the prospect. I think where it falls down is sometimes between the setter and the closer, they feel that responsibility has been moved from one person to another. If I'm a setter and I put it on the closer's calendar, cool, it's the closer's responsibility. Now I'm going to continue setting. And then once the closer hasn't completed the shot on the first time, they've got then more shots to take on that day. So then that prospect and then fall through the cracks. <clears throat> so if you can kind of create in yourself responsibility for 100% of the people that come in and, and that you speak to, you have then two people that are taking full responsibility for the outcome of, of this call of this prospect or the opportunity. Right. And I think the, the setter and the closer, they have unique relationships with the prospect, like with the lead, the setter gets to have a conversation. They open up pain. Don't get me wrong. They paint the picture of the problem or the challenge at hand, but then they also paint the picture of the goal right problems syntax or, or goal syntax right um but there's no there's no action to be taken off of a set of call outside of show up for the next one go through some training make sure you're locked in whereas you know the closed conversation it's it's come to you know it's come to here's the crossroads man it's yay or nay yes or no left or right like what we can't you have to hold their feet to the fire and so that can bring a different dynamic to the relationship with the prospect because you're, you know, you're the teacher that you've got to hand your homework into, right? But where the setter isn't, the setter's the friend at school potentially, right? If we use that as an, an analogy. And so you can leverage both of those relationships in different ways. And so if you can kind of combine those two, you can, you can have 
great success in bringing a prospect in across the line that, that does need a little bit more time maybe to think about it or whatever that, you know, if they're not closing on the phone, having that relationship between the setter and the closer working together, bringing it in. And so being a leader in both the setter and, you know, they're a leadership role in the, in, in COA, right? Setters is a leadership role, closers leadership role, then believing in that and owning that I think is part of it. And so no matter what role that you sit in, it's your business at the end of the day. I think setting and closing, although you're maybe part of a, a wider business, I think you should look at it as, you know, the clients are your stock and you should be looking after it. You want to make sure they're, they're being looked after and whoever you pass off that responsibility to is just like a, a member of your staff and you need to exactly. make sure they're on track and they're doing the things right. And so if you've got two people doing that with the same thing, then you, you, you can create good results. Seeing that that dynamic uh, play out where the setters really do take full control over every single lead they speak to as if it's their their own business, mm -hmm. that has really changed the game in terms of the the performance on the team. Like the everyone takes ownership. There's no like, oh, you know, I, I had a 15 minute chat and that's it. You know, and I, I want people to, especially people who are setters, uh, to really understand like you, you are not a second class citizen on the sales team. Your yeah. role is just as important, if not more than the actual closer, because you're the first touch point and you're the person, you're the good cop in this situation, sure. <laughs> you know, because yeah. they're going to get on like a call with someone like me and I'm going to really challenge them and push them. Um, and so if they don't move forward with me while well, they have this, the lovely, nice person they spoke to before who can really um, uh, touch base with them and like kind of help out. It makes it makes such a huge difference when the setters take more ownership and they take their job seriously. I sure. love that. That's a very unique thing that I've um, had the the privilege of watching like play out um, on this account. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you, especially anyone in the setter role, is it's a leadership role, <clears throat> and there's a there's a separate door open for the conversation to the setter to loop back in with the prospect after the after the you know the, the sales consult right that the closer does not have access to. Again, just because of the dynamic exactly. of the conversation, the the friend, the, the setter comes across as, I don't want to, like a friend if you would, but, or a coach, right? That you're not, that the, the, the prospect doesn't feel negatively about being open with, where potentially they're a little bit defensive with the closer because they know, oh, I'm going to have to invest or I'm going to have to push my comfort zone and step out of that, where they don't have that with a setter, right? Yes, obviously the setters, you know, find out the objection, getting back on the closer's calendar, but it just allows that door to be open in the prospect's mind. And so to leverage that is, is a massive win. I want to shift gears here and roll into a rapid fire question segment. Okay. okay. So nice. first question, if you could go back to the very beginning of your sales career, what advice would you give yourself? I'll just keep driving output. The faster you can, get a hundred calls under your belt, the faster you, you feel better that you, you can't, <clears throat> you can't feel comfortable doing something without doing it. So, you know, line up your calls and hit, hit go. Okay. Um, what advice would you give to a setter who's transitioning into a closer role who really wants to crush it right out of the gate? The frame is slightly different is all is kind of what I've noticed. In the beginning, when you're outbound as a setter, you have to 
you don't have the leveraged authority that you do on a closer call because the closer call has been arranged. The client knows why they're there. They've gone through some pre-called content. You have great authority already naturally on the call where in in the beginning of a set of call, you, you have to work at that. You, you can have bring authority, but you can't leverage it straight away. You have to build up to it. And so just knowing in the once you're starting to take closer calls, you can leverage that authority from the word go. You can start building your frame build the momentum of that that authority you don't have to be as cautious of leveraging authority you can just go what advice do you have for a sales rep who hates doing outbound but they're in a situation where they kind of have to do it to get some calls on the calendar 100 percent, embrace it like it's, it's what i just i kind of goes back to my answer on the first quick fire question the sooner you get through, it's going to make you so much more dynamic, right? The best people, I think, on that are able to self-set and generate will close better. They'll close more effectively. And so if you want to get good at your closing game, be able to be able to outbound, be able to deal with the unknown, you know, because when you're outbound and you have no idea who you're going to get, right, you the amount of variance on a setter's call is tenfold what it is on a closer's call. And so on a closer call, you get very shut off to variance because the people are prepped, they've been through the content, that they know why they're here, they've booked a time. But when you're outbounding, people are out doing their life, right? And you're interrupting. And so you can catch people in the middle of literally anything. You know, I've had from people in like in funerals, in hospitals, in meetings, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. And, and they pick up the phone and so you have to be dynamic to be able to to stay keep that person on the phone and get the result that that you and they are looking for without them hanging up and going away. And I think having that skill set on the phone as a closer can be, you know, can be powerful. You know, if you look at it a certain way, it's it's good fun. I feel like you you're the most enthusiastic person ever when it comes to outbound. Like you make it sound like the funnest thing in the world, and I'm just like. Okay. <laughs> I think, well, I think because, um, yeah, because it is, I love, again, I think I just geeked out on psychology conversation and just making it fun, right? Because it is, you know, you're getting hung up on, you're told, you get told where to go. It can be, if you let it, right, it can be, it can be, it can be a challenge when, you know, you're making a hundred dollars and you've spoken to two people and the only two people you spoke to have told you where to, where to go and jump. It just highlights kind of like personal, um, you know, personal development I've done around state management and state control, controlling your mind, controlling your state. And when you get when you get the chance to, I think, demonstrate the stuff that you that are, you learn, right? You, it, it's fun, and so that's I think that's the only way you have to look at it. Is um, cool. I get a chance to demonstrate something that I learned today, and so that's super cool. I got told to f off. It made me feel a certain way. I don't want to feel that certain way. So let me get rid of it. Let me jump. Let me change my state. Let me get moving. Let me get pumping. When you say let's jump, you're referring to like jumping on a trampoline, right? Like literally. Yeah, I don't know if I shared it with you. We used to have a, a little yeah. Trampet. We had like a mini sales uh, environment, a little hub. And um, we had a trampette and that was the exact reason was to, to break your state, get yourself up and pumping. Um, you know, you've all had it when you've had to handle objections for 20 minutes or you've just been doing a load of outbound dials and you're told where to go or someone hangs up on you. You get left with that that emotion, that energy. 
you don't want you don't want to sit in that right because you want to be on the next phone you want to be able to deliver like your best script or your best handle or whatever but you, you can't do that if you're in that heavy I don't know anxious or depressive state whatever it is however you want to label it and so the best way to do it, it you just use your body to to get you out of that state mind is great but use the body to drive the good thoughts that you want to do in your mind and a little trampette if google it if you don't know what it is it's like a mini trampoline it's like those little exercise ones and you could just jump on it get up and down but you can do it you don't need it you can just bob up and down press up star jumps start shouting ever since we had that conversation um whenever i you know i just I get off a, a call where i don't feel great maybe because i just had the objection handle for 40 minutes or something yeah. um i do burpees uh <laughs> before my next call Hell. yeah and it just it's, it's just like it's a pattern interrupt for my body mm -hmm. and it really mm -hmm. makes a difference at first I started I felt silly doing it because it's like what the heck am I doing but just doing it still made me feel better because it's like I'm taking ownership over my state my physical mental state you know yeah I love it burpees are they're a killer as well they're, they're probably one of the best but absolutely it's a pattern interrupt it changes your you know your psychology your physiology you get your heart pumping, get some air in your lungs, you set yourself yeah. on track. And then, then the mm -hmm. excitement just comes, you know? Yeah. The excitement comes. You can go, oh, cool, I'm excited. And then the next person comes in the chat and you're like, cool, I'm excited to see you. They're like, what? And you're like, yeah, I'm pumped. Because <laughs> you are. Literally. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. I do burpees, the person, the next call, the person jumps on Zoom. I'm like, hi, how are you? How's it going? And they're just like, uh, hi. I'm just like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> like, they're like, it's, it's, isn't it like 8 p.m. for you? I'm like, yeah, but like, <laughs> Hell yeah. let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> let's change your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have any good book recommendations for a sales rep who wants to level up in terms of their mindset or leadership? 100%. Um, I loved uh, the book Influence by uh, Robert Cialdini. It's just one of my favorite. Gives, uh, you know, he'll give you the, the pattern and then he'll give you real life scenarios of how they played out. <clears throat> so you can really get uh, that stuff, you know, really, really nerded out on. Um, but, you know, I, I see like sales as coaching. And so I'll go back to anything that's like coaching orientated, you know, learn NLP, learn how learn how people communicate and learn how your brain st start with yourself learn how you process information then learn how others process information and that's all it is that's all a that's all a, a coaching conversation is holding a space open for someone to be able to have a transformation in literally that's it it's that yeah. simple as the guest of honor can you propose the challenge of the week Every week, I challenge listeners to uh, do something, something to move the needle forward, to become a step closer to being the person they need to be to achieve their goals. So yeah. what challenge can you propose? This is great. I've literally just jumped off one of the team and, and recommended this. I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you an example so I'm not just talking out of uh, thin air. Um, <clears throat> when I was early on in the sales game, right, a lot of it was challenging. It was outside my comfort zone. I didn't know where or what was going on. Um and so <laughs> um, I didn't want to do the dials right. That was my fear. And so to try and work on pushing my comfort zone, um, I went out into, into the streets, right? And was just asking for referrals. So I was stopping people in the street. Hey, we've got this event. I was in the local area. Did you want to, did you want to come? And trying to do that face to face is way more fearful than doing it over the phone. So then when I got back in the office, doing it on the phone, it became much easier and so i'll just go and say find 
you know, if you're finding that you're a little bit anxious around or fearful about or feeling to some level of discomfort about trying a new script or moving into a closer role or a set a role or whatever it is you might be stepping into, go and find something in your personal life that makes you uncomfortable and go and do it. Go, you know, open a stranger, go and, you know, talk to somebody you didn't want to speak to. Just, you know, when you see it, right? And so you can only hold yourself accountable to it. You know, if you see that attractive person, you want to go and speak to him, you now have to hold yourself accountable, go and do it. Or that challenge, you know, whether it's going for a run or jump out of a plane or, you know, only Jeez. I think, you okay. know, yeah, go and find something and go and do it. And then that will make, it'll make everything else a little bit easier when you get back in the phones. Okay. You hear that guys? If you are, if it's something like outbound dialing, you're like nervous about, just go jump out of a plane and it'll solve all your problems, all your fears. <laughs> That's Tom's advice. Go. Everyone go skydiving. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on the show today. I, I think that uh, the audience got a lot of amazing golden nuggets, especially with those frameworks for referrals and refunds. So um, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing that. Oh, absolute pleasure. You're crushing it. I love, I love seeing what you're doing. It's awesome. With all of that being said, that is all. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on so you don't miss the next episode. And of course, don't forget to hold yourself to a higher degree so you can be the most effective leader you can be. Till next time. Bye, guys.